Lafayette, We Are Here, the French history podcast for the American public by a Frenchman. Learn all about France's fascinating history, its great characters like Charlemagne, Joan of Arc, Louis XIV, or Napoleon, but also the great events that marked France, Europe, and sometimes the whole world. Lafayette, We Are Here, available wherever you get your podcast or on lafayettepodcast.com. A bientôt. Welcome back, everyone. My thanks to Emmanuel Dubois of the Lafayette We Are Here podcast for swapping promos with the Siècle. Be sure to check out his show for a sweeping view of French history, a topic which apparently includes more than just the 19th century. I learn new things every day. Today, I've got a special treat for you. This episode is a look at a crucially important figure in Restoration France, who's been a recurring background character on the siècle since nearly the very beginning. I've quoted or referenced Pierre-Jean de Béranger in episodes 6, 18, 20, 21, 28, and 32, and Supplemental 8. Béranger wasn't a noble or a politician. He was a songwriter, or chansonnier, but just calling him that massively understates his significance. Béranger was one of the most famous and influential men of his day. His songs ran the gamut from love and partying to pointed political commentary. He was, essentially, the Bob Dylan of Restoration France. To learn more about Béranger, I sought out an expert guest, Sophie-Anne Leterrier, an academic who's written a book in French about Béranger titled Béranger des Chansons pour un peuple citoyen, or Béranger, Songs for a Citizen People. You can find a link to that book online at thesiècle.com slash supplemental17. That's T-H-E-S-I-E-C-L-E. But just talking about one of the most famous songwriters in French history seemed inadequate. So in a first for this podcast, I reached out to the Presse Universitaire de Rennes, the publishers of Le Terrier's book, and licensed the right to broadcast audio clips of Béranger recordings that they published along with Sophie-Anne's book. So you'll get to hear some clips of Béranger's songs in today's episode. That means I also need to thank my supporters on Patreon, who currently donate $320 per month to support this show. That covers my hosting costs and book purchases, but also gives me the freedom to do things like pay to license music and transcribe interviews, like this one, which was transcribed by Heather Hewson. I especially want to thank my newest patrons, Doris Sloan, Ian House, Nick, Frank McGee, Hamish Ivy Law, Miriam Yang, Nick Buren, John Murphy, and Graham Leader. If you'd like to join them for as little as $1 per month, visit thesiecla.com support. With all that out of the way, let's dive into my interview with Sophie Ann Leterrier. I will note that Professor Leterrier is not a native English speaker. If you have difficulty understanding any portion of our conversation, you can, as always, find a full transcript online at thesiecle.com slash supplemental17. Now, let's get into it. This is The Siecle. Supplemental 17. Béranger. Sophie-Anne Leterrier, welcome to the Siècle. 
Thank you. <laughs> so glad to have you on here because we've been talking about Béranger uh, on the Siècle for most of its run. And I find the guy fascinating and want to I want to learn more about him and share that with uh, the audience. So thank you for, for coming on to share your expertise. You're welcome. Could you start out, just introduce yourself to uh, our listeners and t tell us about yourself and, and your research. I am Sophie-Anne Le Terrier, Professor Emeritus at the University of Artois in the north of France. After having devoted my thesis to the Académie des Sciences Morales et Politiques, I worked on the intellectual life of the first 19th century. And then I turned my research to music. I dealt with the way in which music had become an object of history. And I tried to understand how early music and Gregorian chant in particular have been rediscovered and reinterpreted. And that's how I came to popular music and uh, particularly urban folk music. And that's how I met Béranger. For listeners who aren't familiar, give us the basic facts about who Pierre-Jean de Béranger was. Tell us about this, this famous uh, French songwriter. Béranger is a chansonnier and uh, he enjoyed exceptional fame in his time. Pierre Larousse said of him that he was as famous as Napoleon, which is saying a lot. He's mostly known because of his political songs, which made him the opposition's chansonnier, the national chansonnier under the Restoration. His songs were known and sung by all, as well in the salons of the liberal elite as in the workers' goguettes. The printed volumes sold tens of thousands of copies in luxury illustrated versions, as much as in deliveries sold for a few cents. This is why one can still find many of them in bookshops. Béranger was born at the end of the 18th century, in 1780, in Paris. He was about 10 years old when the revolution broke out, but he did not stay in Paris during the terror. He lived his childhood in the provinces near Péronne because his parents, married very young and soon separated, could not take care of him and entrusted him to a relative. He received only a rudimentary education. In particular, he did not know Latin, which in this time was very discriminating. He was brought up in the principles of the Republic, at least that is what he says in his autobiography. At the age of 14, he was apprenticed to a printer. Then he returned to Paris under the Directoire, worked with his fathers in the credit business before becoming an employee at the university in 1889. He began to make entertaining songs, which introduced him to the Caveau, a circle of chansonniers then famous. It was not until the 1810 that he began to write political songs, especially after the fall of Napoleon, the return of the Bourbons, and the occupation of the territory. He was published in La Minerve, a liberal newspaper. Béranger published several collections of songs in 1815, in 21, in 1826. These collections earned him legal proceedings and two resounding trials that sent him to prison. In 1821, he was sentenced to three months and 500 francs fine. In 1828, nine months in prison and 10,000 francs fine. The proceedings contributed enormously to his fame, to his popularity. 
Then, after 1830, he gave up his old and future songs to his publisher and lived quite retired until his death. He was briefly representative of the nation during the Second Republic. All right. Well, that's a fascinating life story. We're going to dive into pretty much everything you talked about in a little more detail uh, over the rest of this episode. Uh, first of all, I just, I just want to start with something simple. You referred to him as a chansonnier, which literally translates to songwriter, but this has a, a particular connotation in French popular music. Can you explain what a chansonnier is? Well, a chansonnier is someone who writes the lyrics of songs. And sometimes this is also someone who sings these songs, which is not the case of Béranger, except when he was young, he was singing his songs. But then after, when he became famous, he stopped singing them in salons. So the chansonnier is the author. Many chansonniers were, they had no education. They, they met in, in kind of cafes where everybody could sing. Which the, these cafes were called goguettes. Goguette is a place where workers meet and sing and drink, of course. So Béranger and other chansonniers would publish lyrics. They weren't publishing the sheet music. They'd publish the lyrics and then a note about uh, what melody the song was supposed to be sung to. Exactly. Béranger did not know music, and he never wrote a line that would have made him a composer. Like everyone else, he wrote on familiar tunes. This way of doing facilitated greatly the circulation of the songs, since they were already popular and the listener could sing them without reading the music at all. That means under the title of the, of the song, it was only written sur l'air de on the tune of, that could be anything, that could be La Mère Michel, that could be uh, Au Clair de la Lune. Everybody knew them, and you could write new lyrics on these tunes. So uh, it happens also that new music was composed for some of the songs of Béranger, but Béranger had generally written them on three existing tunes. That means there are two tunes for a song, one which has been chosen by Béranger and the other one which has been written in a second time just because Béranger was popular and a musician would like to write a new tune for a song. But then, write a new tune was necessarily address an audience that was not purely popular since this tune would have to be deciphered, written. And uh, moreover, the new tunes are often indicated in the transcription for the piano which made them even less popular. Copyright has only concerned music since 1851, and this was a revolution in the practice of song. Singing on familiar tunes has become the prerogative of militant songwriters, anarchists in particular, and we, we still see it today in demonstration. We continue to make parodies, for example, with the Gilet Jaune, but the practice of parody has almost disappeared, except in this case. We've been talking a lot about Béranger, this, this famous songwriter, but we're actually able to listen to what his songs might have sounded like thanks to a CD that you were involved with. Can you talk a little bit about this project? Well, I, I'm glad that you asked the question, because for me, the book and the CD go really together. And if you want to know more about Béranger, you have to listen to his songs. So that's why it was important for me to have these songs listened by the readers of the book. So if you want to have a, an idea of his talent, you can listen to different types of songs. For instance, 
ma grand-mère is a very funny song, but it has no political meaning. But if you listen to Les Missionnaires, it's very different, and it's really against the clerical power, which was very important during the Restoration. So I think you have two two different kinds of songs, illustrative of what Béranger was doing, if you listen to these two. We'll talk about your book a, a little bit later on in, in more detail, but why don't you introduce the song we're about to hear? So if you take the example of Ma Grand-Mère, Ma Grand-Mère is a song which is written like if it was uh, said by an old woman. She explains that she had a lot of lovers and she starts when she was young and then uh, when she was a married woman and when she was a widow. And it's a long litany of lovers and how she managed to be happy in marriage and outside marriage. And at the end of the song, she says to her granddaughter that uh, she has to do the same. <laughs> so it's it's a very immoral song, but it's very funny because it's never indecent. So she says things, but never cru- crudely. It's always very metaphoric and sometimes kind of uh, very humoristic. All right, let's take a, a listen to an excerpt. Ma grand-mère un soir à sa fête Devint pure ayant bu de doigts Nous disait en branlant la tête Que d'amoureux j'eus autrefois Combien je regrette mon bras si dodu Ma jambe bien faite et le temps perdu Combien je regrette mon bras si dodu Ma jambe bien faite et le temps perdu Quoi maman vous n'étiez pas sage non vraiment et de mes appas Seul à quinze ans j'appris l'usage Car la nuit je ne dormais pas Combien je regrette mon bras si dodu Ma jambe bien faite et le temps perdu Combien je regrette mon bras si dodu Ma jambe bien faite et le temps perdu Can you tell us a little bit about who was singing that and uh, performing on that song? The songs are performed by Judith Fage which is a friend of mine, which is not a a professional singer. And that was important for me because I wanted to have the feeling that everybody could be able to sing this song. But of course, she's a good singer and she uses a lot of expression to interpret the song. It's an amateur song, but it's very pleasant. And she's accompanied by uh, other friends, which are musicians. And also, I didn't want the songs to be accompanied by piano, as I said, because piano was very bourgeois. In Goguets, there were no pianos. There were sometimes fiddles or guitars or, or just people singing without accompaniments. So we, we choose accordion because now when somebody listens to accordion, it, it feels popular music. It feels like uh, vals musette, etc. You talked about Béranger as a, as a political figure and how he got in trouble, legal trouble, for some subversive content in his songs. And certainly I think that's that's how most of the listeners of the siècle might recall Béranger. I've uh, quoted uh, translated excerpts from his songs on a few occasions to illustrate how some of these political developments were seen. Talk a little bit more about Béranger's politics. What were his political leanings precisely, and, and how did he use his songs to promote these political ideals? I have to say that uh, Jean Touchard's book explores this point thoroughly, so... If somebody wants to know everything about the political connections of Béranger, he has to read La Gloire de Béranger. 
I'll have a link to that online in the uh, show's transcript. It's an old book. It was, it was published at the end of the 60s, but it's very precise and it shows that Béranger knew everyone. He had liberal networks, he had literary networks, he had popular connections too. And he, he was really someone who knew everyone. And the political networks include especially the Minerve group. That means the most radical of the liberals, if I can say so. That means, for instance, Lafayette, Benjamin Constant, Paul-Louis Courrier, Manuel, Dupont de Leurs, the banker Lafitte, and also some independents like De Lécluse or Stendhal. And poets, of course, like Casimir de Lavigne or Barthélemy, who were uh, uh, engaged poets. But he also knew many vaudevillists, songwriters, people who wrote for the theater, like Desaugiers. Béranger was clearly a liberal in the sense of somebody defending political freedom. He was also clearly a patriot. There is a problem with this term liberal because when you use it today in, in the 21st century, you mean uh, somebody who, who is for freedom of commerce which is very different in the 19th century where the deal is political freedom, liberty of expression, etc. So it's very different. And, uh, but Béranger never belonged to a party or even to a movement. He was an independent person. He knew everybody, but he still thoroughly refused to engage uh, because he thought that he might have much more impact as an independent what was Béranger's relationship to Napoleon and the, the memory of Napoleon and sort of the sort of Bonapartist movement in, in uh, Restoration France? That's an interesting question. First, I have to say that Bonapartism under the Restoration is not a party. This is a cause, and this is the cause of people who have lost the battle and have paid dearly, some by exile, most by the loss of their post or their dignities. So, Béranger is not at all an admirer of Napoleon, but he is somebody who has a lot of empathy for the people who were engaged in the empire and who lost everything with the restoration. However, his songs do much for the Napoleonic legend because he wrote them especially after the death of Napoleon. So for him and in his songs, Napoleon is the son of the revolution. And as Béranger was Republican, I mean, at least in the principles, he contributed a lot to the Napoleonic legend and to the, the regret and the sadness which came with the return of the clergy uh, to the power with the restoration. He was not a party man, but he was a man with strong principles and with strong democratic principles. Let's take a listen to another excerpt of a, of a song here, one of these political songs that, that Béranger wrote. Can you introduce uh, the song that we're about to listen to? Yes. My Republic is an interesting song because it doesn't speak of a specific regime, but of a society where everyone can live free and happy and uh, even go to the mass. <laughs> That's textually written in the song, so... All right, well, let's, uh, let's take a listen. J'ai pris goût à la République Depuis que j'ai vu tant de rois Je m'en fais une et je m'applique À lui donner de bonnes lois On n'y commerce que pour boire On n'y juge qu'avec gaieté Ma table est tout son territoire 
sa devise est la liberté. Ma table est tout son territoire, sa devise est la liberté. Amis, prenons tous notre verre, le Sénat s'assemble aujourd'hui. D'abord par un arrêt sévère, à jamais proscrivons l'ennui. Quoi proscrire Ah, ce mot doit être inconnu dans notre cité. Chez nous l'ennui ne pourra naître, le plaisir suit la liberté. Chez nous l'ennui ne pourra naître, le plaisir suit la liberté. We have this song recorded with a new music. It's not the original music. It's a music written by Jean-Louis Murat, which is a very interesting uh, songwriter and singer. Uh, I don't know if you know him, but he, he devoted an entire CD to Béranger's song. The CD is called uh, 1829. That means he, he took... Um, especially songs of the end of the restoration, very engaged and very political songs. All right, and I'll uh, include a link to that at thesiecla.com as well. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. We talked about how Béranger faced uh, legal challenges as a result of his song. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, how the Bourbon Restoration government responded to Béranger? Obviously, they, they brought charges against him. Was he seen as a political threat, as a, as a, a danger to the regime? His songs developed his ideas, ideas of uh, democracy and uh, freedom, in two ways. On the one hand, the, song, the songs ridiculed the reactionary power of the Restoration, especially the fanaticism and intolerance that characterized the religious pursuits. There is also in, in Béranger's song a writing of the contemporary history. They talk about the revolution. They talk about uh, the death of Napoleon. They talk about censorship, the police hunting songs and songwriters, and so on. In France, at this time, where the press was subjected to obtuse censorship, the song was a very good way of disseminating principles because it was free and it plays the role that would be in the 20th century set of political jokes in totalitarian countries. And the two trials were largely contributed to his notoriety and even to his glory. So they made him a martyr of the liberal cause. And so they entered into a real strategy of the, on the part of Béranger because uh, he thought that being sent to jail was a real proof that he was dangerous so, and that his, his songs were dangerous. The circumstances of two detention are not the same. The first was in the context of a reaction following the assassination of Duke of Berry. Censorship had been restored, liberal newspapers had been severely repressed, and peddlers had been closely monitored. For the second trial, the liberals were divided between those who wanted to be associated to the government and those who were irreductible. 
including Béranger himself, of course. So the collection of songs published in 28 was very aggressive, especially two songs, Le Sacre de Charles Le Simple et Les Infiniment Petits, which are real provocations. The Sacre de Charles Le Simple is the, the coronation of Charles the Simple. Exactly, exactly. I quoted that in uh, my episode discussing Charles X's coronation. Yes, I saw that. I spent some time on your podcast, I have to say. Well, thank you very much. We've talked a lot about Béranger's politics. Let's talk a little bit about his personal life. You mentioned that he had friends in a lot of circles. Can you talk a little bit more about what he did outside of his songwriting? And I guess in particular, I'm curious about the relationship that he had with the liberal politician Jacques-Antoine Minuel. First, uh, we must say that little is known about his personal life except what he wrote in his uh, biography and his, in his letters. Because like everybody in the 19th century, he spent hours every day to write and to answer letters he received. He, he received also pleas and demands for money, for help, for jobs. So he tried to help, for instance, songwriters who were workers and we, we, who wanted to be edited. He, he tried to help his friends, friends in a very general way. His friendship with Manuel is probably his strongest bond. Manuel was a former soldier of the revolution and a lawyer under the empire, therefore of a bourgeois milieu, but not very wealthy. He was deputy during the Hundred Days and deputy of the Vendée in 1880, and he was a very fierce opponent of the Restoration, and a man of formidable eloquence, a remarkable improviser, which probably fascinated Béranger because Béranger was a man of the... He was a writer, but he was not at all a narrator. It was Manuel who brought Béranger into the circle of parliamentary liberalism into contact with Lafitte or Dupont de l'Oeuvre. Béranger was very fond of Manuel, whom he describes as an intransigent patriot, and also as a somewhat savage, living in a simple way. They lived under the same roof from 1824 until Manuel's death three years later. And they share the same grave at Père Lachaise Cemetery, which might seem uh, very special, but is not, actually. If you go through this cemetery, you will find other graves with people who were just friends. I didn't inquire on that, but it was always strange, even for me. We know nothing of their intimacy. We can imagine many things, but they took their secrets to the grave. Certainly, they, they were very close. I've, I've seen a lot of speculation that they had a romantic relationship, but, but you're saying there's, there's no evidence for or against that. Exactly. But why not? I mean, we can romance uh, if you want. <laughs> I'm not very interested in this kind of, of uh, facts, but it, it is fascinating in a way. I agree with that. In a future episode, we're going to look a little bit more into questions of homosexuality uh, in the Bourbon Restoration and how that was treated. But that, that's that's very a future episode. For now, uh, uh, we start to wrap up. Can you talk a little bit about Béranger's legacy? You mentioned that he was extremely famous at the time. How was he seen in his day and immediately after his day? And and how how has his legacy changed as the the years have gone by since since his death? In his lifetime, as I said, he enjoyed immense popularity because he was considered a great poet, admired by the greatest of his time, like Chateaubriand, Lamartine, Victor Hugo. 
And he was a true idol of the people. Many men of the of the people will have his portrait at home and sing his songs and some wrote to him to express their admiration or tried to imitate him. And this is important because at his death, the praise was anonymous. But then a few years later, it was not the case. He wrote for Goguet and Goguet disappeared with the Second Empire. So the Second Empire was fatal to the type of song of which Béranger was the model, and he was uh, excluded from the great literature during the Third Republic with only a few names, a few names of writers of avant-garde, which Béranger was absolutely not, because he wrote in a very classical way. He wrote in rhymes, he wrote uh, with uh, very much the lexic of the 18th century the vocabulary of the 18th century. Yeah, exactly. And third, the question of music may also play a a role because, as I said also, he he wrote on music of his time. That means music from the beginning of the century. People forget these songs because, like today, there are always new songs à la mode. So after a while, um, people didn't know the, the, the tunes he chose that didn't have the long-lasting of his songs. What, if anything, do most modern-day French people know about Béranger? Do they know he existed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, everybody knows he, he existed and know he was very popular, but that's, that's almost all. <laughs> because there are few recordings. The recordings are mostly moral songs, if I can say so, like Ma Grand-Mère or Le Sénateur. This kind of song has been recorded, but... None of the political songs has been recorded until very recently because, for instance, Arnaud Marzorati had some of these songs recorded, especially the songs against the Pope, but it's, it's recent. And maybe I played a role in this. I hope so. I hope I had some people interested in Béranger because I wrote this book. We'll listen to one more song uh, before we, we go here. But before that, you could just uh, wrap up with any final thoughts and uh, in particular talk a little bit about this book, the project, and uh, how people might be able to get it. The originality of my book lies in the fact that it tells more on his songs than on his biography, his person, or even his writings. And uh, the book is accompanied by a CD, and it's important to listen to the songs which are uh, sung in a special way. That means not in a professional way and accompanied by accordion or wheel fiddle. Ah, yes, wheel fiddle. The hurdy-gurdy. I tried to understand why the songs were so important in his time and what he had changed in his career. And in fact, he brought much, not only by writing remarkable songs, but by really changing the status of the song. After him, song was considered like popular poetry, not a minor gender of literature, but instead a privileged vehicle of public thought. And I think Béranger has done a great deal to allow people to express themselves in song, which is also a form of democratic education. Excellent. And the title of your book is Béranger, des chansons pour un peuple citoyen. Exactly. And you can find a link to purchase that for those of you who read French at thesiecle.com. As we uh, head out, we'll listen to one more song. Can you introduce uh, this final song that we're about to hear? I think we, we should have Les Souvenirs du Peuple. 
because this is Béranger's most famous song. Les Souvenirs du Peuple is a song which tells about a grandmother, talks about different times where she met Napoleon. She met him when he was a Republican general and he came to the east of the territory. Then she met him when she was in Paris and he was going to the coronation. And then afterwards, she met him another time, a third time, when he was having his, his last battles and, and uh, losing these battles, that means in, in 1814. And then afterwards, she explains that he, he comes to her house, he comes knocking and he, he is wet with rain and he, he has to go near the, near the fire to get some heat and he takes some wine. And she kept his glass as uh, something very precious. And uh, the children which are around her say, Ah, oh, you still have the glass, grandmother. Can we see it? So important, etc. So it's, it's a very good song because it tells the story of Napoleon, but it tells us a lot about the admiration of the people for Napoleon and the kind of very human and familiar link between Napoleon and the people. Thank you very much for coming on the show, uh, Sophie-Anne Leterrier, and we'll, we'll let Béranger play us out. On parlera de sa gloire sous le chôme bien longtemps. L'humble toi dans cinquante ans ne connaîtra pas d'autre histoire. Là viendront les villageois dire alors à quelques vieilles. Par des récits d'autrefois, mère abrégée notre veille. Bien dit-on qu'il nous est nuit, le peuple encore le rêveur. Oui, le rêveur, parlez-nous de lui, parlez-nous de lui, grand-mère. Parlez-nous de lui, parlez-nous de lui. Dans ce village suivi de rois, il passa. Voilà bien longtemps de ça. Je venais d'entrer en ménage, à pied grimpant le coteau, où pour voir je m'étais mise. Il avait petit chapeau avec redingote grise. Près de lui, je me troublais. Il me dit. Bonjour ma chère, bonjour ma chère, il vous a parlé, il vous a parlé, grand-mère, il vous a parlé, il vous a parlé. L'an d'après, moi pauvre femme, à Paris étant un jour, je le vis avec sa cour, il se rendait à Notre-Dame. Les cœurs étaient contents, on admirait son cortège. Chacun disait quel beau temps, le ciel toujours le protège. Son sourire était bien doux, d'un fils Dieu le rendait père, le rendait père. Quel beau jour pour vous, quel beau jour pour vous, grand-mère. Quel beau jour pour vous, quel beau jour pour vous. Champagne fut en proie aux étrangers, lui bravant tous les dangers, semblait seul tenir la campagne. 
comme aujourd'hui J'entends frapper à ma porte J'ouvre, bon Dieu, c'était lui Suivi d'une faible escorte Il s'assied où me voilà S'écriant, oh quelle guerre, oh quelle guerre Il s'est assis là, il s'est assis là, grand-mère Il s'est assis là, il s'est assis là j'ai faim, dit-il, et bien vite, je sers piquette et pain bille. Puis il sèche ses habits, même à dormir le feu l'invite. Au réveil, voyant mes pleurs, il me dit bonne espérance. Je cours de tous ces malheurs, sous Paris venger la France. Il part et comme un trésor. J'ai depuis gardé son verre, gardé son verre Vous l'avez encore, vous l'avez encore, grand-mère Vous l'avez encore, vous l'avez encore Le voici, mais à sa perte Le héros fut entraîné Lui qu'un papa couronné Longtemps aucun ne l'a cru On disait il va apparaître Par mer il est accouru L'étranger va voir son maître Quand d'erreur on nous tire Ma douleur fut bien amère Oui bien amère Dieu vous bénira Dieu vous bénira grand-mère Dieu vous bénira Dieu vous bénira Hello everyone, my name is Tom Kearns and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman conquest in 1066. So far we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.